The only thing I'll have to caution you about is that you're a hand talker. And every time you like pound the table, it goes straight oh, yeah, to sorry. the microphone. Oh yeah, sorry. You know, I'm Italian, uh, so I I am okay. Bang I will do table. that. You need to tell me these things, and it's good that you did because otherwise, I'll, maybe I'll do like a little timeout or something. Or a... I, yeah, I, I, I have my pen, so I'll try to write. Because I love um, the enthusiasm. Oh yeah, I, especially I get pretty but passionate will, if you get me going. It'll make so. big explosions on the recorded material. <laughs> okay, so be quiet, Christiana. <laughs> I'm Todd Lyons. I'm Natalie Crandall. I'm Christiana Cavazzoni. And this is the Innovate On Demand podcast. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Christiana. It's a pleasure to be here today. So what brings you to our Innovate On Demand podcast today? Uh, Well, I received an email from Neil Bauer yesterday. (laughs) He's compelling. Uh, He's a very compelling individual. I have uh, have a lot of respect for Neil, and he asked me to be on this podcast. Uh, I think I have a bit of a presence in the community on, you know, innovation, data, former technology CIO. So I think it's a space that I've always been very passionate about. Um, I came from an environment of innovation. I worked in private sector for many, many, many years in high tech. So I came into government with expectations to innovate. And I do recall my first, um, I would say about a few months in government, and I didn't really understand why we didn't have a budget for innovation. Yeah. We didn't have a budget for R&D. Huh. And somebody had to explain to me the machinery of government. So, you know, 10 years later, here I am still struggling to figure out where do we fit innovation in this very complex machinery. And uh, so uh, I look forward to the conversation today. Well, first and foremost, thank you for still being here 10 years later, (laughs) trying to help us figure out how we can do this thing. Um, Maybe we can start off by, you know, maybe you can tell us a little bit about, you know, what that looks like 10 years later. What are some of the, the obstacles and the, and, and some of the opportunities, uh, that we, that we have today to take advantage of or to work on? So I came in government with a preconceived idea that, Innovation and R&D is a must, is a must to be able to Mm -hmm. keep up with market demands in the space of, say, former high-tech company, Um, but also to be able to uh, advance, basically, government as a whole. Uh, And there's an aspect of retention and human resources and keeping up with the expectations of society. Uh, What does it look like? It's really departmental specific, which is my level of disappointment. There isn't a program of innovation for the government of Canada. We have a lot of departments, uh, and I, you know, to be fair, um, depending a lot on the deputy ministers at the helm as well, that either push it or kind of look at it and they're curious about it, but they really have a difficult time orchestrating it through the machinery and complexities of the department. So. I think we've made progress. If I think about 10 years ago where I was bringing it up and every time I would talk about innovation and, you know, research and development, I would get the stare. No, we don't work that way. We have programs, we have projects, and this is how we deliver to Canadians. Um, but I felt that at a certain point in time, considering the state, frankly, of technology, and we kind of need to inject a little bit of different thinking. So we were passengers, we were looking at, you know, the various community of vendors telling us what we shouldn't and we shouldn't be doing, but we weren't really doing anything about it. I think we made some progress. I think uh, some leaders in government have moved it. I think a new generation of public servants have come in and kind of rattled the cage a bit. Mm. Yeah. But yes, I see some momentum uh, around data and digital that will require innovation and a different way of thinking. 
There are many barriers. I think the fabric of government is for, for a lot of good reasons. You know, we are not wired to support what I would call systematic innovation. You know, and what is systematic innovation? We talk a lot about failing fast, failing forward, um, uh, you know, reducing the level of risk aversion, uh, risk tolerance. But at the end of the day, you know, especially when we talk about risk, we um, there isn't a high level of risk of acceptance, primarily because we are government yeah. and we are subject to public scrutiny. So um, how do we instrument an innovation system, an ecosystem where we can still, you know, behave in a certain way and try to systematically try to derive some outcomes out of innovation? Yeah. What I think is a main differentiation between, you know, if you think about the high tech sector uh, that are trying to get, you know, products to market, or my former company, Nortel, um, we had to innovate. This is, it was kind of in the adrenaline, it was in the fabric, it was in the DNA, but it was also an outcome, right? The outcome of innovation was not just to try things out. There was a purpose to innovation. And my observation, having been in a number of departments, is that per- we're kind of losing that purpose. So we go through cycles of, oh, let's try these things out. You know, we have a new digital gadget. Yeah. We have a new AI way of doing things. And we have, uh, you know, a micro opportunity that we can test about. But we kind of feel, failed um, to see the, the onset of the expectations of yeah. we have to scale up. And if there's a reflection in the 10 years is that we really have not mastered that yet. Mm. You know, I hear arguments about we don't have enough funding for innovation. I actually don't believe that. I think we have uh, an opportunity to innovate if we were just to uh, inject, you know, expectations of innovations and take a certain element of risk as well in uh, program delivery. I'm not saying busting, you know, uh, CPP. This is not what I'm talking about. I'm not not breaking stuff. I think Canadians, and I could be wrong, would have an appetite for us to acknowledge that we're trying this out and there might be an opportunity for us to get feedback from you on this interactive way of doing things differently. Yeah. I find that we don't open it up enough, right? So, um, and that worries me. That worries me as a Canadian, worries me as a mom, uh, worries me as a stakeholder. Uh, I call myself as a shareholder of society. Um, you know, uh, we have to look at um, how we transform ourselves, not through... And inject innovation not through program or projects, but through really changing fundamentally some of our, our, our decision making uh, or machinery decision making, as, as I call it, uh, that would reinforce the need for innovation. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've had an interesting journey uh, in the last 10 years. I've changed, this is my fifth department. Um, I have uh, one of my former, uh, the former, one of the former CIOs of the government of Canada used to call me my little butterfly. <laughs> And I tried to explain to her that it wasn't a question of getting, you know, tired. It was a question of coming in from, you know, a phenomenal experience in private sector where, you know, you're kind of handpicked to work in that kind of culture. You want to maximize your your contribution to government. That's and right. I always felt that I was coming in from the outside. And I feel still feel like an outsider because of what I can do to advance government. Almost like a mi- I'm on a mission. Mm. Um, my latest... Um, I love that, by the way. <laughs> on a mission? Yes. I, I just, do feel uh, I'm on a mission. And you know, like, I get so many comments. You're different. Are you, like, are you from government? Yeah, I've been here like 10 years. It's because of, 
how you know I was developed as a professional and as a as a woman in technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, it wasn't there wasn't um, gender equality in private sector. Uh, you had to create your path. There wasn't a clear runway for you. No, but it was encouraged. It was. I think one of the differentiation in in private that I saw was in developing us as female leaders was uh, to actually um, look at all the dimensions of leadership. And maybe we were not the best software engineers, but they knew very well that we would have the best software engineers be able to follow us through our leadership. And that's what they needed. They didn't want more software engineers. They wanted to have a complement of leaders that would be able to be have yeah. the followers, right? And be fearless about the mission. Coming so, back to our courage, commitment, and communication, which yes. our previous guests said are some of the three oh. key ingredients to innovation. Yeah, and I think it's actually ingredients of leadership as well, right? Absolutely. And uh, courage is being one of them, right? Uh, how do you park your own ambitions? And, you know, how do you risk your next performance? review, right? By doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there isn't a reward for that, right? There isn't a reward for leaders to make those kind of uh, compromises. So right. uh, my latest uh, involvement has been with the Department of National Defense, and uh, I am really fascinated by the department. I, I have to tell you, like, uh, I was never aware of the, mi- I was aware of the mission. I wasn't aware of the impact of the mission. And, mm-hmm. you know, what are uh, armed forces personnel actually go through. And, and, you know, my, my reflection on, you know, circling back to digital and innovation is as a government, how we, uh, we're putting a lot of emphasis on visible services to Canadians when we define digital indices in the sphere of producible and um, not producible, consumable services uh, and attached to specific organization, you know, citizen centric. But then I reflect when we have, you know, snowstorms in Newfoundland and when we have floods in, uh, in, in Ontario or when we have to, uh, help, um, victims of, uh, air crashes, uh, or when we have to help host, uh, coronavirus individuals where the armed forces is in the sense of real being core to society. And it's not all about weapons, right? It's about yeah. a service too. Yes. And when I look at data and and digital, um, I think we're missing the inclusiveness. I think we are, have departments and we have policies that are looking at digital from a very, from one perspective, and they're feeling to acknowledge the fact that there are many different perspectives of digital. And yeah. what our armed forces are going through is, and you heard possibly my uh, associate deputy minister, we have a huge need for digital transformation, a necessary need, a need that, you know, puts us as a country at risk if we don't yeah. pay attention to yeah. it. So the conversation around digital, I find that it's becoming uh, elitist, elitist around certain type of departments, but not necessarily converging on the needs of government as a whole for digital. Yeah. Digital should not be, nor data should be associated with, you know, um, just providing an interface for job searches to a Canadian. It could also be, uh, you know, that Canadian is stuck somewhere and how can I have access to, who, who can I talk to that can help me understand the situation I'm in overseas and so forth. Yeah. So there's uh, the inclusiveness of digital con- concerns me a little bit. And uh, I felt it in my previous department. And now I've, I have a deeper reflection based on 
the conversations that I'm privileged enough to have with, you know, senior leadership in the CAF. The thing about digital is so critical is that uh, digital does depend a, an awful lot on technology, but it's actually not about technology. No. It's about the people. It's about the people who need to use and benefit from and have the impact from the services, the data and all of that. So it's fascinating that this sort of, uh, how do we articulate that to all, all the people who are working uh, and, and thinking about digital transformation, that it's really about the people? It's tough. Um, we're actually going through it now. We went through it as well in my former department when I was a former uh, CIO and a transformation officer. And, you know, we would have some good conversations about digital, but the conversion was always on tech, right? Especially yeah. when the digital dialogue came out of the CIO. Uh, well, okay, but we just need to buy a new tool. No, it's not about buying a new tool. It's actually not even thinking that you might need technology, right? You can still deliver some level of digital aspirations without technology, yeah. potentially through a data, a data exchange, potentially through, you know, uh, just something as simple as a journey analysis of what, you know, what a person is going through and a citizen is going through in trying to access specific services. There are many facets of digital that again can be delivered into a digital outcome, but there are many steps to it that in my definition are as important. We're struggling. We're struggling to, and I think more the senior level to try and differentiate what's digital versus technology. And I think what's necessary is a demonstration of how the two are different. And the demonstration needs to occur through some form of, you know, an innovation intervention, mm -hmm. but also we need to educate. Right. Yeah. We need to educate our senior management. And, you know, it's not that they're too busy is that I think we're not clear enough about Madam and Mr. Deputy. This is how you need to and treat those two different differently and work through, you know, a set of, you know, call it use cases or journeys that can help you um, crystallize a little bit better for the decision makers of this government. Yeah. What journey are we taking on by, you know, a living a digital aspiration era? So uh, it's not going to be a, you know, just a move to something different. It's going to be a journey to something different. And this is where I think innovation is to kind of materialize and, and show some decisiveness in government. I do worry that we treat it as a little bit as because we're mandated versus because it's actually part of something that we need to do. I would yeah. wish that, you know, the new generation of managers, uh, senior managers, DGs, just think about it that way. It's not a question that, you know, you have something that says because of, you know, BP 2020 or we have, there is an expectation we innovate, but actually show some, show some intent and show some outcomes. Right. I don't want to go back to the, to the office and say, listen, blockchain is a really amazing solution. Someone tell me a problem we have that I might solve with blockchain. What you want to say is, I have a really interesting business problem. What am I, you know, what kind of an innovation lens can I apply to, to looking at how we might, you know, change this? And blockchain is a perfect example. Perfect yeah. example. Uh, it's a hype right now. Um, I mean, I have been in tech my entire life, uh, career. Uh, I can tell you it's pretty difficult stuff. And when we're looking at artificial intelligence as well, um, you know, we want AI, we want, uh, yes, but do you understand that there's a set of prerequisites that we need to put in place to be able to harvest and instrument artificial intelligence? And, you know, we have a lot of blockages, right? We have massive amount of data that it's 
kind of landing in our lap in real time and we really don't have anywhere to store it. It's as simple yeah. as that. And we have policies and we have a certain level of, you know, resistance too. So that is kind of the innovation bubble that we need to start creating and also to dispel some of the, the, what I would call the hype around digital technology, such as uh, blockchain, innovation, um, artificial intelligence, bots. We have to be cautious, right? Because we're setting expectations really high. Why don't we start having one email system? Yeah. Right? <laughs> and why don't we start having a chat tool where we can actually stop using email as a chat tool? Or a pay system that pays what? people. Uh, so, <laughs> let, 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 and I'm not saying that we just have to pay attention to those problems. I'm yeah. just saying that we have to be cautious about not taking on, you know, really hairy problems that we really are going to be ill-equipped to, to deliver on. Because frankly, our data posture across government is, is, is needs work. Yeah. Um, and needs a lot of investment, uh, needs a lot of expertise. Um, and strategic and intent. About that. Eh? Strategic intent and how we're going to gather, uh, observe, understand, visualize our data, all of it, how we're going to share it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, uh, these are interesting times. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, as a senior exec in government, it's probably the best time to be able to drive changes. Uh, I think, uh, I would be, I would be happy as a public service when we don't rely on mandate letters. We don't rely on new, any type of form of government or of color of government to be able to really think and give ourselves some space to innovate and think differently. I think, uh, y- you know, um, Innovation will be required if we want to maintain uh, momentum in hiring uh, new grads and millenniums. Um, we don't necessarily need to have labs uh, to satisfy their requirements. We need to have a mindset of innovation because they're curious, right? Um, you know, I, I, I have uh, daughters in university and, you know, whenever we talk at the table, at dinner table, and there's something we want to find out, you know, they look at their device first and foremost. They don't listen to mom. Although mom might know better, but they don't listen to mom. And I, I mean, it's a society that's, that's driven now, fake news or not, to be able to find their information themselves. So, and that to me is curiosity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that to me speaks to a curiosity. There's a link from curiosity to innovation. So we're going to have to make sure that we maintain our workforce uh, in a space where they can live to their core values, right? And I think yeah. a lot of these new kids coming out of school are anticipating a different experience in government, and we need to make sure that we can inject some of those, um, you know, value propositions, if I want to call it, in their workplace. And I don't think we're, we're right there right now. So, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, you know, I, I, a quick recap. Um, I'm in a journey of data right now. Uh, I'm loving it. I am looking at the policy world through data. Uh, I have a phenomenal team. Um, I'm encouraged but discouraged at the same time just mm. because of the level of work and yeah. the, the amount yeah. of work that we have that it's, you know, it's messy work. Like the data, well, foundational elements of data, how do we get data ready? Like it's, it's not really not sexy, you yeah. know, it's, it's messy <laughs> and we really don't know how to do it. We have like databases out of the yin yang. We don't know where to start. So I just worry that we're oversimplifying the problem of digital and data 
and innovation by just, you know, aspiring to, as you mentioned earlier, you know, the blockchain. I want the blockchain. Let me go and buy the blockchain from a community of vendors that at the end of the day, they have some accountability, but they don't have accountabilities to Canadians the way we do, right? So we have to be very clear on what do we want to be in the space as a government? Uh, We want to be a spectator? I don't think so. We want to be an innovator, not seeing the urgency just yet, or do we want to be an acquirer of? Um, and that, those are the kind of three, kind of three, if I call it, decisions we need to make once and for all. Um, because we are going to, I think, I think, especially in defense, we're going to face some serious consequences uh, on not keeping up with, you know, who we need to keep up with, you know, our allies, our NATO. And there's a lot of an ecosystem out there that's very much, and we feel it. We feel it because other countries are moving faster than we are. And, uh, and, uh, and if, only, if defense sees it, I'm sure that other, uh, other departments feel it, you know, from potentially a different perspective. Maybe they have Canadians that are telling them, you know, like, yeah. really? Like, I can apply or I can access my information online. Um, how, I had a, and I'm not going to mention his name because I, he's, he's, he's a great deputy. And, uh, he used to tell me, you know, Christiana, it's about, um, not legitimate, uh, you know, how relevant do we want to be as a government when we used to have a discussions around digital and so forth. And, you know, those words kind of resonate a lot. And, you know, when I think about relevancy, we are at a risk, right? Yeah. Of becoming irrelevant in a world where data is basically free flowing and we can't control it. That's right. So if my kids don't go to mom, who's a public servant and they go to Google, you know, the next generation, their kids are probably not even going to bother with government yeah. in terms of any information and, yeah. you know, the source of truth for yeah. for uh, a democratic, if I want to call it, That's source right. of truth. Yeah, Unless, of course, we, you know, Unless, turn of course, the whole ship around. Yeah, and- <laughs> turn it all around and get this, like, major, like, digital capes on all of us and... and- <laughs> But it's interesting. I, I do believe that if we, you know, uh, slowly and systemically really, you know, eat, approach one problem at a time in each yeah. of the, the areas. But it, it's fascinating what you say. You know, you say like it's so relevant for D&D and all of that. But there isn't a guest who comes on this show from any corner of government who isn't feeling the pressure of saying, you know, if we want to stay relevant, if we want to best serve Canadians in Canada – we have to change. We have to learn to pivot. We have yeah. to be able to be agile. We have to understand our data situation. What data do we have? What data do we need? How can we use it? What are the impacts of all of this? And, 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 you know, how are we involving Canada and Canadians in, in creating that better country? Absolutely. And, uh, let's start the dialogue, right? That's right. Let's not survey it out. Let's just start it. That's right. Well, thank you. Thank Thanks you so much, Christiana. This is wonderful. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Innovate On Demand, brought to you by the Canada School of Public Service. Our music is by Grapes. I'm Todd Lyons, producer of this series. Thank you for listening.